This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's time for a one-of-a-kind poker party. Poker Night in America is streaming live from Studio 52 in Las Vegas. Join us nightly at 8 p.m. Eastern Time as some of the biggest names in poker play in the ultimate house game. Watch on the Poker Night in America channel on YouTube and Twitch or go to PokerNight.com. Poker Night in America is back and ready to party. Well, this is Betting Weekly Extra Time World Cup Edition. And in this particular show, we are going to be talking about prop bets. Bet Rivers have so many betting opportunities over the course of the Qatar World Cup. You can dig down in the website to make sure that you can get your best bets on. Alongside me in the studio today, I'm pleased to say that Steve Wiss is with me. Also, uh, Nigel Seeley plus Daniele Fisichella. Uh, we've got Rory Barlow remotely as well to give us all of the best prop bets when it comes to the Qatar World Cup 2022. We've got 19 bets all told for you. So pens and paper ready or account open, whatever you prefer. Uh, Nigel's got three tips. Daniele has got five, Rory five and Steve is six. We're going to start with the most assists market. Um, this is an interesting one. We can check out the prices for you. Our favourite here is Kevin De Bruyne at plus 800. Lionel Messi at plus 1100. Uh, Neymar plus 1500. Then we've got Vinicius Junior at plus 2000. That's the top four in the market as it stands at the moment. And obviously prices can fluctuate. We're going to start with uh, Steve's selection here. Steve, you've gone for Neymar here. Now he divides opinion, obviously, uh, but you believe he's going to have a World Cup, a good World Cup. I, I certainly do, uh, Dan, and um, obviously he's going to get a lot of um, sort of attention in the golden boot market as well. But I'm looking at the assists, and if someone is going to win this market, the team is probably going to have to score a lot of goals as well. Now, I will be talking about this later. I certainly believe that Brazil are a goal-getting outfit, and Neymar, well, he doesn't just score goals. He supplies a lot of assists. It's very interesting that in the World Cup um, South American campaign, um, he actually had uh, eight goals and eight assists from 10 appearances. So his goals and assists are often quite evenly spread out. Now, this is a guy who, at the moment, he's probably Mr. Brazil. And he's not as selfish as some people make out. There's many times he'll get in a position, you think, go on and score, but he'll hand it on a plate to a teammate. And I think Brazil are going to get a lot of chances. I think they're going to score a lot of goals. He will be on some set pieces as well. And he's not just going to go for goal for some of these set pieces. He's going to try some fancy things and all that sort of uh, lark. I know Kevin De Bruyne is the favourite here. And, you know, he is a assist machine. But I do wonder about Belgium long-term, how deep they are going to go. Brazil, I mean, other thing that, that, you know, you've got to say is that you need a team that's probably going to go quite deep into the tournament. I think that plus 1,500, that's a big price for me to take Neymar to be the top assist Provider. I think he's a good shout for Golden Boot as well. 
in this assist market, it's a bit of value. I'd, I'm certainly happy to take on the favourite here in Kevin De Bruyne. Another person happy to take on the favourite with a Brazilian is Daniele. You've gone for Vinicius Junior, though. I go for Vinicius Junior because he's the man that last season got 20 assists for Real Madrid. You know, Vinicius to Benzema, how many times we saw it in the Champions League, he won in the Champions League. And with Brazil, if he starts, I think he's a good option there. Okay, outside of Neymar, Brazil looking to start with a front three. I think he's in contention to start either him or Rafinha, but we know that Tite likes him, so he could obviously push himself into that team. We always talk about Vinicius as one of the best young players. He's one of the best players in the world, full stop. Okay, a little bit of a caveat. This season, he gave six assists so far for Real Madrid. Real Madrid haven't had the, the easiest uh, journey into La Liga, perhaps they expected. Still no assist with Brazil, though, for Vinicius in 17 games. So I think he's due one. But again, I agree with Steve. It really is a team that is going to score a lot of goals. He's going to keep the ball a lot. We saw that in qualifiers. And he's going to play, especially in the uh, first uh, qualifier rounds, against him. They're going to sit deep. So I think they're going to invite uh, chances. So again, look, Brazil, yeah, Neymar, I like it. I like Vinicius just to squeeze a little bit more of value out of it. Well, that's the top assists. Let's move on to Golden Ball, which is, of course, the best player in the World Cup finals. One of many prop bets. Nigel, you've got a selection in this, but when it comes to the prop bets, this is probably one of the most popular, isn't it? All prop bets are massively popular in the American market. I mean, you only got to look at the Super Bowl. The coin toss is one of the biggest markets handled for Bet Rivers. The length of the national anthem is another very popular market. And if you look at the Bet Rivers website, it's absolutely full of prop uh, bets and sort of different special markets and they're going to continue I mean the world and the build-up to the World Cup comes and the squads are announced check the website there's going to be a huge amount of stuff we look at, we're looking at the key props here and obviously the golden ball is one of them uh, the best player of the tournament and obviously for me I think you can, you can get almost double figures about the best player in the world and probably the greatest player uh, for a generation in Lionel Messi um, as we're going to come on to later you'll see that I'm very very strong on Argentina to do well in this World Cup and I think this is a World Cup where all the best players in the world going in at peak fitness. I've said it so many times when people have moaned and complained about a, a mid-season World Cup. Oh, it's going to be different. It's going to be changed. Well, listen, it's life. You've got to change. You've got to adapt to things. In other sports, it's worked. In rugby, it's worked, where teams have gone off to World Cups uh, and played during the season and nothing's really been affected. The one thing we're going to see here is we're going to see every single player at the top of their game. And when you look at this golden ball market, you look at those players there, it's going to be exciting times if every single player comes in the World Cup at peak fitness. So this is a really exciting market. It's a really exciting World Cup. And for me, Messi is the standout. I mean, he's coming in. I mean, Steve is the, is the French league expert on the, on, on the Bet Rivers Network. And, uh, you know, I've been watching their shows. The amount of times they've been praising Lionel Messi. Lionel Messi we saw at his peak career in Barcelona. He's been rested in the last couple of matches as well. Hasn't featured. So he's going to come in here really, really fresh. And I feel this is a, an opportunity to really showcase. This is his last opportunity. And I think Argentina will go deep. And I think if you're going to win the Golden Ball or top assist or any of these markets, you need to be... going to win the World Cup? I think you've got to be in the final or at least the, at least the, the, the semi-finals because you're going, to, you know, you're going to play an extra game. So the more time you're going to have, I, I think it's important. And I think, that, you know, with the Qatar connection with Messi and, and the way that it is out there, I just feel that they, this is his crowning moment. Uh, and the other thing I think will, Messi will, will do well in this World Cup is I, don't, I think this is a really, really talented Argentinian squad. They've got a great goalkeeper, they've got a fantastic defence, and they've got a striker who, who's scoring goals, a young striker who's, who's in form. So I don't think the pressure's going to be on him. He's single-handedly carried Argentinian sides for years and years and years. 
and every the the, the whole of the weight of Munazari's has been is on his on his on his, young, on his shoulders. I think now he, he's at the peak. Now he can go and play. Uh, I don't think he'll feel the pressure as much unless he's in the World Cup final. And I think this is this is this is his opportunity to show what a great player he is. And I think that Argentina will go deep. And if Messi's involved, even if he doesn't have the greatest tournament, as a good semi-final, a good final, I think that's enough to make him win the Golden Ball here. So Messi for me at double-figure prices in this market. It is also worth remembering that I think I agree with you. He has to go far, but for example, in tw- in 2014, the Golden Ball was James Rodriguez. You know, he came stop at the quarterfinals. Everyone uh, kind of uh, n- nobody expected him really, but you know those great goals as well. So there could be an outside chance as well for players, I think, outside of that elite as well. But yeah, I do agree with you. I think, obviously, Messi, strong candidates to, to finish his career on a high. The other person I liked in the market was Harry Maguire, but we couldn't see, it. We couldn't see his price on that. <laughs> Can I add something here on, on Messi? Um, he's got some great stats this year. In, in Ligue 1 in France, 10 appearances, 7 goals, 10 assists. In the Champions League, 5 appearances, 4 goals, 4 assists. So he's doing it both domestically and in the Champions League. He's in great form. I don't actually have a pick in this golden... A ball market. I do have um, a strong pick on Argentina later in the outright uh, market, but uh, yeah, I, I do think Messi is a great candidate. You don't have to win the World Cup either to, to win it. Uh, uh, Rory, I know you like Messi as well, and obviously, uh, being the editor of uh, Football Espana website, you'll have seen him, of course, prior to his time at Paris Saint Germain. You're also weighing in with the Argentine for Golden Ball honours. Yeah, I think plus 1,200 for Messi is pretty good. I think there's two or three key factors in the golden ball. Nigel mentioned one of them, and that's getting to the final four or the sort of final two. I think unless you have a sort of outsider make the final, like kind of Luka Modric did in 2018, then it's going to be one of the big names. It's going to be one of Neymar, Mbappe, Messi. I think it's partly political. I think it's partly in terms of marketing. These players tend to win these awards, and Messi quite apart from that, has a very good chance of being the best player at the tournament. And I think, uh, I think, yeah, he will be the shining light of this Argentina side more so than perhaps, I think Mbappe and Benzema would maybe split a French vote. I think Neymar probably takes the Brazilian one, but I just like Argentina a little bit more than Brazil at this World Cup so far. So, uh, so yeah, I'm going Messi as well at plus 1,200. Someone told me the last World Cup, I think it was, that, I can't, I can't remember the exact stat, you need to check it out, but Whoever won this award was someone who was sponsored by Adidas or Nike. It was either one of them. It, it was an award that every, a, a Nike player had won it all the years, and, or an Adidas player. I can't remember which one it was. And when you talk about political, you know, that's another, another factor to bear in mind, you know, who, who sponsored this award. So that was quite an important stat. Yeah, uh, one thing you should bear in mind as well, that these prices are changing all the while. When Rory was looking, plus 1,200. When we were doing our graphics, plus 1,100. Now, plus 900. Um, to be the Golden Ball winner. We have got an alternative pick when it comes to Golden Ball. Daniele, uh, you like De Bruyne. De Bruyne, Kevin De Bruyne, plus 1,500 because I think he's the best player in the Premier League. He hit form at the right time. He's giving already 13 assists, scored a few goals. He scored for all different ranges, you know, even when he plays for Belgium. I read a stats, 11 of his last 15 goals for Belgium outside the box. So he's got that... Complete midfield action, giving an assist is so important for Belgium as well. The way they play with the wing-backs, he drops deep, uh, pings the ball to the wing-backs, can feed Lukaku, whether Lukaku is going to start or not. So I think he's going to have a lot of responsibility, De Bruyne, but also a lot of freedom to invent. They do uh, rely on him, 31 years old, I think he's at the peak of his career. 
it form in the right time. And if you look at the group that Belgium has, I think uh, they should qualify as first. They should have slightly easier route if they finish first into the quarterfinal semifinals because they are on the opposite side of the of this tournament than Argentina and Brazil. And again, as I mentioned, they might not have necessarily have to win it for him to be to be the golden boot. Best player in Europe at the moment. Why not? Uh, let's move on to the Golden Glove because um, we've got two of our guests um, with a pick in this market, but they are both going for the same goalkeeper. Steve, you can tell us uh, who it is. Yeah, that goalkeeper is Kasper Schmeichel of Denmark. And I didn't actually know this was going to be another pick on the show as well. It was all kept in secret. So just shows you good minds think alike sometimes, don't they? Um, now, the Golden Glove... Contrary to popular belief, it's not actually the goalkeeper who keeps the most clean sheets. This award is given by a FIFA technical panel, same as the golden ball, actually. So you know, it's not always about how many clean, clean sheets you keep, although that does certainly help a lot. Now, why do I like Kasper Schmeichel? Because I actually think Denmark are a bit of a dark horse in this tournament. And they are, they're around about the plus 3,000 mark to win the FIFA World Cup. And if they were to win it, you've got to think Kasper Schmeichel will get the Golden Glove. To be honest with you, if they just get to the semi-finals, he would have a very good chance of doing it. I'm just going to list you some previous uh, winners of this award. Oliver Kahn, Buffon, Cassias, um, Cassias, sorry, um, Neuer and Thibaut Courtois won it in 2018. Now, Belgium, of course, didn't win the World Cup. What you're looking for here is Chance for several clean sheets. Well, Denmark have certainly got that in the group. They've got two very, very poor teams in Australia and Tunisia. You also want some outstanding performances. And he's the sort of keeper that does make a mark when he makes... Catches eye, doesn't he, with his he, he does. And he's got also a good penalty record. He's actually faced 102 career penalties at the time of recording. And he saved 26 of them. That's a pretty good rate. He saved against Harry Kane, of course, in the Euros last year. He saved against Modric in the 2018 World Cup. So he's got a previous here. And he also saved another... Um, penalty in that World Cup against Peru. So on the big stage, he can do it. He's actually just starting to find some form domestically for Nice. He had a difficult start at Nice. In the last two or three rounds, he's probably earned them a lot of points, Dan. So I think he's coming in with some great form, plus 2,000. If they do go deep, I think they'd have to make the semi-final, to be honest, for this pick to win. Um, but if they can go to that level, I think he may well be the standout keeper. Uh, Daniel, you've gone for Schmeichel as well. I just want to run through the top of the market. Um, Alisson plus 500, Courtois plus 500, Neuer plus 600, uh, keepers, of course, that we've mentioned already. Emilio Martinez, the Argentine keeper, plus 700. You know, Simon looks like he's going to be number one for Spain, uh, plus 800. And Jordan Pickford, uh, plus 900, looks a little bit short to me, Jordan. Um, double the price, double the price, Casper <laughs> Jordan Pickford. <laughs> uh, Danielle, I'd rather, bet, I'd rather bet Jordan Pickford most assist, <laughs> to be honest with you. Danielle, why do you like Casper? Oh, I think it's because with Denmark, as Steve explained it very well, is the collective that make them very, very strong. Perhaps Denmark have, Denmark have only got, got a couple of world-class players. One of them is Ericsson. But it's the way they work as a collective is a team that can defend very well next to the box, but at the same time, they can counter-press. So I do like them. I do fancy them going forward into this tournament. And as you mentioned, yes, Michael, very solid goalkeeper, leader of the team. Uh, look, I'm sure... Becker, Alison Becker, Courtois, Neuer, they are big names than him. Probably Courtois, best 
goalkeeper in Europe at the moment. But you need, again, we are trying to look for a little bit of value here. And I think for an underdog like uh, Denmark, uh, you know, also they only uh, conceded three goals in qualifiers. You know, I think these stats, they do, they do count. They do weigh in when it comes to, to tournaments. They can manage themselves really well in tight margins as well. So that's why I went for Michael. I'm just listening to the lads talking about Denmark and their ch- chances. And, and, you know, it's not a pick that I had. But they're both really keen on Denmark to do well. This made me think about Ericsson for the golden ball, you know, because the, the story, the, the fairy tale story, the story, isn't it? The fairy tale the story of what happened to him in the Euros, and you know, and, and 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 if he has a good World Cup, the form he's in at Manchester United, he'd probably be about hundred to one, you know. So I haven't added it yet, but I might have a half a unit stake with Christian Ericsson because if they're going to go well, he's going to play well, and what a story that would be, player of the World Cup after the tragedy that he suffered in the Euro 2020. It, 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 you can certainly see it happening. I mean, Denmark needs to do well, obviously, but yeah. that, that is not the worst shot at all. Uh, let's talk about uh, one or two bets involving Brazil. Rory, uh, bring you back in for this one. I know you're going to uh, preview uh, some of the groups for us, but you like Brazil to get nine points in the group stages here. Talk us through this prop. Yeah, it's plus 200 at the time I looked, and I just think that they're by far and away the best team in their group. They've got Cameroon and they've got Switzerland and Serbia. Switzerland, I think, will be a tougher task. I think they're quite defensively solid, but I do think Brazil have more than enough to beat them, whereas Serbia and Cameroon defensively have not shown the kind of solitude and fortitude that they would need to keep Brazil and all those attacking talents. We've spoken about Neymar as golden ball. We've spoken about Vinicius as a contender for the top assist maker. So I think, yeah, Brazil are a good candidate to score lots of goals. I think... They might struggle with the pressure a little bit when it comes to knockout stages. But if you look at their record in World Cup qualifying, look at their record sort of over the years, when the pressure's off and they know they're kind of the best side, Brazil deliver and they deliver in, in style. So I think they're going to deliver in style in their group. I think they'll take nine points. They'll win each of their games. And I think even, even if they get to that final game and there's not too much riding on it for them, they have such competition for places up front that the attacking players will still want to go for it. So yeah, Brazil to take nine points, I think, is a, is a really smart bet and a smart option here. If you want a bigger price at plus 650, you can go for Brazil to get the most group stage goals, which is one of Steve's selections. Yeah, this obviously market includes all 32 teams. It's the only group goals matter. And I really like Brazil to put on a show. They're the sort of team who like to really um, early on in the competition, make a mark down and show people just how good they are. But I really like their group for goals. The last match is against Cameroon and whether they field a a full-strength team or almost a reserve team, they are going to be there for the taking, unfortunately, Cameroon are. And so that alone, I think they're capable of getting a lot of goals in that game. Uh, But then you've got Switzerland at the moment have got three of their goalkeepers are injured. Um, Serbia are known for the shootout type games. I think there will be um, a good chance of overs in that fixture. And the start time for Brazil. There's eight matches in this World Cup, I'm going to mention this later, that have a one o'clock, one o'clock local start time. And those are going to be quite energy sapping games. I don't think there'll be as many goals in them. But Brazil, they've been given prime time slots, two of them at 10pm. And the other one is an early evening kickoff. So I think they're in a good, um, a good group for goals against some, you know, the Swiss defence isn't too bad in fairness, but if the goalkeeper issue is a problem, they're definitely facing one very, very poor defence. So, look, this is a difficult one. 32 teams in it, but you can whittle it down to probably eight to ten teams that could win this. Some you can rule out immediately. And I think at plus 650, plus 650 the favourite, is a good favourite in this market. Last time round, you know, they had pretty much the similar group in 2018 with Serbia and Switzerland. They only got seven points. They, 
they drew with the Swiss. We all expected them to run riot. The only reservation I go with Brazil is that how well they're going to be under pressure in the first two games against Euro European opposition, which they haven't faced in the last three, four years. So, you know, we always look at the um, South American qualifiers and obviously uh, we look at the great numbers, but we do know that European football is quite different, although, of course, most of the Brazilian players, they do play in Europe. Let's see how they come together as a collective, as a, against, for example, a sturdy side like Switzerland, you know, we Italians know one or two things about them. <laughs> um, just one more Brazil bet, or at least a, bet, a bet feature from Brazil. Uh, and that Steve's going to give us, and that's a match bet against England. I guess it's how far they go, yeah, is it? Who, who progresses yeah. the furthest, and if they get eliminated at the same stage, I think it's a refund. Um, I'm actually going to let the other boys talk a bit more about this, because I think they've got a few England picks in a similar market. But I think Brazil, I think they reached the semi-final. I think the semi-final is going to be Argentina against Brazil. And I think that's a, a difficult game to predict. But I certainly look at the route that Brazil have got. They should win the group. And the second-place team that they would face doesn't look like it's going to be particularly strong. So they should get a nice route into the quarterfinals. And like I say, I think the biggest stumbling block would be that semi-final place. In terms of England, I'm not particularly high on England. I think they have got a route towards the quarterfinals, which is a difficult stumbling block. So it's a, not a very big price. It's minus 125. But I would be very surprised if England progressed further than Brazil. But very worse. The, da the doubters are with us when it comes to England, which brings me to the next bet. Now, we've, we've invited Daniele and Rory on here, an Italian <laughs> and a Scot, because we felt sorry for them because none of their nations are going <laughs> to the World Cup finals. And not surprisingly, even though we have invited them on the show, um, they're still uh, backing England to bow out, not at the group stages, but at the quarterfinal stage. Daniele, let's get your reasoning why you think that England, plus 225, are the bet to bow out at the last eight stage. I mean, it's, I suppose it's not, not such a bad World Cup if you finish at the quarter. Yeah, exactly. You finish inside the top eight teams in the world. It's not bad, considering the teams that are at the World Cup and the ones... But you know what? What, what we like qualified. in England, we, we demand the win. You want to win it. Yeah. Look, I have got some reservation on England being able to win back-to-back -back games against top oppositions because they haven't done it in the last two tournaments. Let's face it. The route to Euro 2021, the final in Wembley, was slightly easier than expected. The route to the semi-final in Russia was slightly easier than expected. I think England have got a great collective. But I think if you look at the injuries, of course, they miss it. The likes of Grace James, the likes of Ben Chilwell. I think depletes England of very good personnel. The fact that perhaps Southgate is not still clear about who should play a centre-back, who shouldn't play. I mean, we could we could speak at half an hour why he called Maguire and Ofikayo Tomori, but we leave it for another time. And everything, I think, he rests on the ability of England to control games in midfield. Now, the new name is Bellingham. It's Jude Bellingham. So everything is about him, really. How good is he going to be? How good his partnership with Rice is going to be? We saw them really doing really well in the Champions League this season, but at the international level, in a tournament, we'll see. He's a very young player, of course, uh, promising. And then an arrears of option up front. You can, always, you can only play with threes. A little bit with Brazil that brought nine forwards and three uh, fullbacks. You know, at the end of the day, Kane and the other two. So... I don't know. I, got, I see a lot of potential, a lot of talents in this England. I don't think they play the fluid football that everyone would expect. Having said that, finishing between the top eight, great. Italy, Italy is in the top 33 because it's not there. So, you know, <laughs> I mean, take it, guys. It's not, it's not bad, is it? Well, I mean, I'm the, I'm the most optimistic England fan in the world. I mean, I, I, I'm going to Qatar and I'm obviously following England out there. 
Uh, but the good news for you both, for Rory and uh, Danielle, is I've cut my trip short after the quarterfinals. So I'm coming home. I'm coming home. I'm coming home on the 11th of December. I'm actually flying to Dubai on the 11th of December. So I, I don't expect us to be in the semi-final. Well, final. So, so I'm with these guys. So, so I'm the only one. I'm with these guys. If, if, if they do continue to the semi-finals, because then it becomes a very expensive trip. Because if we look at the route England could have, I think they're going to win the group. Not in a great style. Maybe they all win all the games 1-0 in the group. They might face one between... The Netherlands, uh, Senegal or Ecuador in the last 16. And then in the quarterfinals, if I'm not wrong, is a matchup either with France yeah. or, oh, or, or, uh, or Denmark. Oh, but the, 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 thing is, the thing is with England is, is like, we'll come on to England again. I don't know, the England in knockout football, they've got the players to win it, but they haven't got the manager. It's as simple as that. He's two down. Quarterfinals, I'm, just, I'm hoping for that just, as well. Just, just <laughs> to hammer the, the, the nail in the quarterfinal coffin for England, Rory... Um, anything else to add? Because this is one of your prop bets as well. Yeah, I like England to go out in the quarterfinals. Apologies to our to our. I think you like England there. to go out the group stages, let alone the quarterfinals. Rory, <laughs> being a proud Scot as you are. Just by Danielli's logic, Scotland are also in the top thirty-three in the world. I just want to put that out there. <laughs> well, you are but, better uh, because you got to the playoff. We need even yeah, get to the playoff finals. So yeah, a bit better. Yeah, I just think uh, England's, I mean, Daniele pointed out the route. I think that's very important. I think France maybe just have too much for them. And I think Denmark as well. You look at how tight their game was in the Euros. I think Denmark would quite like revenge against England for that. And I think they weren't too different. I think England have uh, perhaps gone a little bit downhill since then. Denmark, more or less the same. I think they're on kind of a similar um, similar level to, to where they were in the Euros. But more than anything, I think this is just a tired England team. They, I, I mean, I was watching them in the Nations League and they just didn't look like they were enthusiastic to be playing for Gareth Southgate. I mean, Nigel mentioned that he's perhaps not the manager to take England forward. England's big strength is, well, Jude Bellingham, I really like in midfield, but their big strength is their attacking prowess. They have lots of brilliant attackers, lots of really entertaining young players. But Gareth Southgate has always based his sides off defence and of being solid. And it's just too top-heavy for me. If, if I look at the defence, there's not the players to, to bring that solidity compared to where they should be focusing their, um, their sort of strength on their attack, I think. So, yeah, I think England, as Daniele says, they'll get through the group stage. I think it'll be Senegal or Ecuador in the round of 16. I think that's a pretty safe enough route for England. But, yeah, that quarter-final against France or Denmark, I just like the other team better. So that's why I've gone for England to go out in the quarter-final. You've got no faith at all, you lot. Right, we've got six more bets we're going to rattle through. There's some really good tournament bets here. Nigel, we're going to start with a couple for you because uh, we're talking shootouts and also goals in extra time here. What do you like? Yeah, I mean, no, I've, I've gone through the markets. So I didn't give many tips. I only give them three picks. One quite big price of Messi and two very low odds, but exceptional value. I mean, I don't usually bet anything really lower than minus 150. That's sort of my cutoff point. But I looked at one of the props here and I couldn't believe my eyes. It was over one and a half penalty shootouts in the tournament at minus two dollars. Now minus two dollars isn't something that gets your, your juices flowing. It's a sixty-six percent. You tell us on the weekly shows not to do minus. I know. That, I know. You have a right go at us. All. I know. I know. But like, yeah. But there's a difference <laughs> of minus two hundred about um, a, a, a team to win in a league or something like that. But this is a, this is a, a, a bet that is just mathematically wrong. There's no there's no two ways about it. The line should be minus two, over two and a half, in my opinion. The penalty shootouts is over one and a half minutes. There's two penalty shootouts in this tournament and you're going to make money. Well, you go back through the history of, this, of the World Cups, right? In 1982, 
was the 1986 was the first time it went to like a, a last 16 in a knockout stage. Before that was a group and then the semi-finals. So since it went to a last 16 straight knockout through to the quarterfinals and semi-finals, this bet has, has won in every single World Cup. So that is 2018, 14, all the way through to 1986. We had four penalty shootouts in 2018, four penalty shootouts in 2014, four penalty shootouts in 2016, four in 1990. I think England were involved in all of them. But um, the one thing I would say is that now, the top quality opposition in world football knockout stage is closer than it's ever been. Back in 1990 and 1986, the top four nations were way, way, way better than the ones that they are now. Now there's nothing between, there's a cigarette paper between all the teams in the, in the quarterfinals of the World Cup. You'll make a case for anybody. And that means that penalty shootouts are more likely to happen. The draw's more likely to happen in 90 minutes. And people are much more cagey in knockout stages than they used to be. I bet you when you get to the semifinals and the semifinals this World Cup, draws in 90 minutes will be trading around about plus 175, plus 180. Because there won't be much between the two of them. So I think that over one and a half penalty shootouts at minus $2 is absolute exceptional value. And the other bet I like, which brings a similar kind of thing, whether we want it or whether we don't for the penalty shootouts, because you, you don't want goals. But I think more than uh, three and a half extra time goals in the World Cup uh, at plus 105 is a big bet as well. That's cashed in the last three World Cups as well. It, it was different because we used to have the golden goal previously. That's it changed a little bit. But I think at plus 105, and the other reason I think that will be a case as well for a bet, because I think people will get tired in, in the extra time. I think people, as, as Steve said, with the conditions, humidity, I think the players will be running empty in, in the extra time. So I think there's going to give much more goals. So two very, quite low prices, but over one and a half penalty shootouts at minus $2 is the best bet of the tournament for me. I'm thinking about having the whole stake on it and worrying about it. And then uh, goals scored in extra time over three and a half at plus 105. Uh, more numbers to come at you from Steve. He's got some tournament totals to tell us about we're looking at goals and corners here yeah now for those who regularly watch the bet river shows will know i don't take many unders i don't tip many unders on the show i'm not an unders man i'm an overs man i am backing under 165 and a half tournament goals at minus 118 and i do not believe this is going to be a high scoring tournament and if you actually look back at some uh, previous goals um, in tournaments actually not as high as you think um, in the 2018 World Cup, there was only 169 69 goals. In Brazil in 2014, which was a wild and crazy tournament, 171 goals. That's not an awful lot more than this line. If you go back to South Africa in 2010, that was 145 goals. And I feel that there's a similar atmosphere around this tournament as to that one. I don't think there's as much hype around this World Cup yet. There's Qatar and all that sort of thing. You know, there's and the time of year as well. Now, I know, Naja, you think everyone's going to start getting excited once it's started, and it may well be the case. I don't feel there's as much of a buzz compared to, say, Brazil. So I believe um, that might sort of yield, um, just in the general atmosphere of the, of the tournament, teams are not going for it as much. But the conditions, I really think it's going to be hot out there. I mean, you're going out there. I hope you're taking plenty of headwear because we we don't want you. <laughs> I, I, have, too much. I have factor 50 in London in, in 23 degrees, so I don't know what I'm going to be like there. But there's eight matches kicking off at one o'clock local time. And I just believe, I mean, if I'm tipping on some of those shows, even I'm going to have to take the under in some of those. You've got Switzerland involved in one of them. I can't remember exactly. I think a few of the African teams as well. But um, overall, I mean, I do think the danger for this is probably there is going to be quite a lot of extra time uh, matches. But I believe that probably quite a lot of them might be nil-nil heading into extra mm. time or one-all. And yes, there might well be some extra time goals because the, the fact, fatigue and factor comes in. So I like the under goals, but I like the over corners. Over six, 
616 and a half corners. This is covered, actually, in four of the last five World Cups. It's only the last World Cup there, were, there was an unusually low amount of corners, just 606. But even that is only 10 corners below this mark. Um, I mean, if we look back at, say, uh, 2014, there were 666 corners. So I think this line has been priced up um, on based on the 2018 World Cup. But there only were five matches that went to extra time in, in that tournament. I think we could get six or seven games go extra time, to be honest with you, here. And I think there'll be a few penalty shootouts. Now, whether there's goals or not in extra time, I don't know. But there definitely will be corners. And I actually feel, I don't know what you guys think about this, in the last sort of four or five years, football goes in cycles in progression and tactics. I feel like the wide areas of the game are becoming more involved again. You see a lot of wing-back systems. I'm not sure exactly how many teams are going for you know, these uh, sort of five at the back or three, There's quite four, a three. lot. There's yeah. quite a lot. There is a lot. Yeah. So I feel like that will aid the chance for corners. And the other thing about these two bets, you have got something on the line in every single match. Love it. You know, that is a great thing. And, um, you know, people, some people really love that sort of thing. Yeah, I remember going back in like the 1990s when spread betting started in, in, yeah. in the UK and I was involved in it then. An average corner game was about 12 and a half. That was the line, 12 and a half. Five or six years, I'd say three or four years ago, it pitched down to nine and a half and ten and a half in some cases. That's how much the corner. Now you can see it gradually going up. It's going up to 11, 11.5 for exact reasons that Steve is saying there. So in 2018, the style of play was very Arrow different one. to narrow and that and the corners come down, especially in international football where the ball was kept into midfield. Now with wing backs, very, very different. Mm. Okay, good flag kick fancy there from Steve. We've got three more bets to get through. Um, Rory, let's bring you back in for yours. You've got one involving Wales and another involving the Netherlands. Rory? Yeah, I like Wales to get through the group, to be honest. I think I looked, uh, I think the England game will be a tough ask for them, but there's a potential that they get a result just because it's, uh, it's a rival, it's a neighbour. Those games tend to be a little bit more tight and cagey. But I think if I look at the Iran side, Iran are always tough to beat. They're always difficult. But the one reason that I'm going to sort of back Wales to get through is because I really like their the ability that they have to come through adversity. You look at that playoff final against Ukraine, I thought they were very good against a decent Ukraine side. You look at this is a team that now has tournament experience, the way that they sort of came through their Euro 2016 and got to the semis, that was, that was very impressive as well. They came through big pressure moments. So I think Gareth Bay will be a big factor. He doesn't even... I swear he, he hardly even plays the game anymore. He just comes up with moments, and that's what he's there for. So I think he'll, he'll have a moment against Iran. I think he's, he's got enough to break down that defence, the, the infamous Carlos Queiroz defence, which is very difficult to break down. And I think if you look at the USA, this is not a vintage USA side. I think it's one of the best USA sides in terms of quality, but in terms of actually on the pitch and what they put, put out so far, We've not seen a, a really good USA side. They lost to Panama in qualifying. They lost to Costa Rica in qualifying. Canada finished above them. This is not a side that's really operating on all cylinders. Greg Burhalter, who's the coach at the US, US men's side, I'm not sure he has his entire team and the entire country behind him and going in the same direction. So, so this is not a USA side that I expect to pull up any trees normally. I'd kind of associate them with kind of being a, a stingy team, a team that works hard, it takes advantage of its opportunities, as as England saw in the 2014 World Cup, I believe it was, or the 2010 World Cup. But these days, it's got more talent, more attacking talent, and I think it comes forward more. But I think Wales will be able to exploit that. And the fact that they have that tournament experience, this is their first time back in sort of over 60 years as well. So that's massive. So, so yeah, I think Wales, I like to get through. 
when I was last looking, it was plus 225 for them to go out in the round of 16. I do think they will ultimately meet their demise against the Netherlands in the next round, which uh, which is the bet I like. And that brings me on to my next bet for the Netherlands, which is plus 1,100 when I last looked, and that's them to be the top scorers in the group stages. I looked at the groups, and in terms of disparity between the, the best team as I see it and, and the sort of rest of the groups, Brazil and the Netherlands are the two that stand out. I like Brazil to score goals, but I think Switzerland, Serbia and Cameroon is a more difficult group than the Netherlands have, which is Ecuador, Senegal and Qatar. In particular, Qatar is their last game. Qatar will be, I'm assuming, kind of down and out, battered and bruised by that point, And the Netherlands will be able to have a bit of fun. This is a side that is vertical. It likes to play. It likes to engage. And even though they're perhaps not the most defensively solid, they've scored 19 goals in eight games in 2022. So I think this is a team that goes for it. It's a team that Louis van Gaal lets play. Um, we saw them in the 2010 World Cup. This was a very stingy Louis van Gaal who did not believe in his attacking talent to get the job done and so made it a very defensive side. Louis van Gaal's not playing like that anymore. And there's a factor that, I mean, it's a shame to sort of factor it into to how we're thinking about football but Louis van Gaal has cancer, and I think that will motivate the, the Dutch players to really rally behind, behind him. I think it will create a really strong bond, a strong atmosphere. I think this Netherlands side will fight very hard. And I think in those opening games against Ecuador and Senegal, those are two teams that, although they perhaps know their limitations, particularly Senegal without Sadio Mane, I think they will engage with Holland, and I think they'll engage with the Netherlands. So I think yeah, there's a lot of goals to be had there. I think it's between them and Brazil for most goals. I think plus 1,100, certainly you'll be getting at least double figures. It's a really good price for them at most goals in the group stages. So that's why I'm backing them and uh, Louis van Gaal's army. Uh, plus 1,100 if you fancy Netherlands to grab the most group stage goals. One more pick and then we'll just recap very briefly. Uh, the pick comes from uh, Daniele and it involves Uruguay. To be eliminated at the group stages, Uruguay... We're in a tough group with uh, Portugal, Ghana, maybe Ghana taking some revenge from uh, 2010 and uh, South Korea. Why did I pick Uruguay, who, by the way, finished third in the um, South American qualifiers? Because it's an old squad up front, still Cavani and Suarez. Uh, they changed the manager through the qualifiers, no longer Tabares, there is Santos. Maybe he might want to go with just one up front and be hard to beat. Okay, of course, you got David Nunez coming off the bench as well. But I do look at also at the back, Godin, uh, Caceres. There's a lot of experience there, but a little bit aging. And, you know, um, the qualifiers have not been great. Goal difference, zero. 25, 22 goals scored, 22 goals conceded. So you'll say, well, they are perfectly balanced. But look how many goals uh, Brazil and Argentina have racked up. I think... The generational change in Uruguayan football hasn't yet happened. Of course, better in midfield with Bentacur, with Belverde, etc. But I do think they might struggle this. And, you know, I think again, Ghana might take revenge. Uh, Portugal probably going to win them all. And South Korea, if Song Yumin is fit, you know, you see what they've done to Germany in the last World Cup. I mean, it's a good price. Uh, plus 115, why not? Uh, Uruguay to go out. What price Luis Suarez with a handball against Ghana again, eh? <laughs> um, uh, that wraps it up. Let's just remind you of the boys' selections here because there's an awful lot. There's 19 of them, as you can see. Nigel's got three. Steve has weighed in with six. Daniele there has got five. Rory, five. It, it, very, very quickly, of all your selections here, uh, Nigel, Nigel, what would be your best prop bet for the World Cup? Oh, without a shadow of a doubt, over one and a half penalty shootouts at minus $2. Daniele, what do you like? 
of your picks? Of my picks, uh, I'm going to go England to be eliminated at the quarterfinals. Oh, thank you very much. Rory, <laughs> your, your best prop bet of your selections. Yeah, I'm also going to go England. Sorry, Nigel. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, no surprise there from our Scottish and Italian correspondent, Steve. Got with the corners from me, uh, Dan. Over 616 and a half corners. I think there's going to be close to 650 corners. There we go. We'll be cheering on the flag kicks over the course of the tournament. That wraps up a bit of a, a mammoth session when it comes to the prop bets. Always very popular. And there are so many more on the Bet Rivers website. And they will change, of course, as the tournament goes on. And, of course, you can keep up to date with all of our content over the course of the World Cup via at Because We Win. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Betting Weekly Extra Time on the Bet Rivers Network.